Alright everybody, what's happening? How the holidays treating you? You been eating too much? Do you feel like a fat fuck? You having to wear a diaper to the dinner table because you eat too much and you can't control yourself around food? It happens to the best of us. In any case, I have a great guest today in Tony Nazaro. Uh, Tony is the drum looping effects sandwich eating drummer of now duo and former trio Drums and Tuba. Tony toured, recorded, and generally ripped it up with the band for a decade, playing upwards of 260 gigs a year and opening for such acts as Primus, Oysterhead, Ani DeFranco, Spacehead, Galactic, and many more. It's also worth mentioning that during the interview, I mentioned a band that guitarist uh, Neil McKibby and tuba player Brian Wolf of Drums and Tuba were in when they were still in Austin, Texas, called Homni Bob. And I have a strange story about how I ended up with that tape in my hands from a buddy of mine that lived in Tennessee and sent it to me in the mail in Louisiana. And uh, I was kind of obsessed with that cassette tape and never really knew who they were and then pieced it together later when I would see Drums and Tuba that two-thirds of the members were actually in this band. So I went back and was able to digitize that cassette a few years ago, and I've since posted the cassette in its entirety on, on YouTube, and I'll provide the link for that. In any case, citing burnout, Tony took a break from the drums, even opting to not so much as pick up a stick for up to six years, and instead pursued painting. Until recently, when he got a craving to hit the skins again. Ooh! We get into how he first became enamored with the drums, killer shows he saw growing up, Moving from Austin to New York to New Orleans, developing a series of effects and the time-consuming task of dealing with a million cables for loops and samples and incorporating those effects and samples into their live sets and on records. Plus some of his favorite and more strange shows Drums and Tuba played over the years. So here we go without further ado. Tony Nazaro, people. Where you at? Crash, bang, boom. Tony Nazaro, man, what's happening, dude? How you making out? All right, I'm yeah. doing good. How's the uh, how were the holidays? Uh, I had some family in town. We went to the track. Which oh, nice, was a good thing to do. You uh, went Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, I love doing that. Yeah. Did you win any money on the horses? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I took my kid there, and he was he's he was the one who won everything. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's fun. So yeah, we just did that. Um, I didn't overeat this time. Nice. I can't seem to not do that. I always just destroy myself. (laughs) 
I have this, the, the, it's like the holy trinity or the trifecta of shit that happens to me when I come back down here. I, uh, one, I start to lose my voice. That usually happens within the first 24 hours. Uh, two, I get acidic. So I'm like an acidic old man, like eating Tums from drinking and eating all the food that I wanted to eat and like the whole thing. And then I feel like towards the tail end of it, I'm just like perpetually on the verge of shit in my pants. That's, that's like the three things that happen to me when I come down. Yeah. That's, yeah. I gotta be careful with those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, it's good seeing you, man. Uh, I interviewed uh, a mutual friend of ours in AP Gonzalez and, uh, that I'm realizing the first time I saw drums and tuba when y'all were uh, just drums and tuba was playing with his band at the time lump at what was, uh, I think was the warehouse cafe at that time. It wasn't Monaco Bob's just yet in New Orleans. Yeah, those were, oh man, I remember that show. That was awesome. Um, we played at the warehouse a couple times. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we opened for Rebirth once. Uh-huh. It might have even been the same show, or maybe yeah. not. Maybe it was a couple different ones. But um, yeah, great, great place. I love APs. Oh man, he's awesome. You know, I, uh, he played on this record, um, Universal Congress. We, stuff. we talked to him about it. I just talked to him oh, about really? it. Do you know the story behind that? Not really. Dude, he went out to L.A. during the fucking Rodney King riots and was recording it out there and was like, People were looting. He said at night you could see explosions. Like oh, wow. he was totally out there for the for the Rodney for the riots. Yeah, that was at the same time. Yeah, wow, that's <laughs> that's, that's goofy. <laughs> um, yeah, I. It's funny. I got that record. Like I don't know. It was late eighties. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was kind of hooked into all that music. I loved all that sort of SST world right. and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember getting that record and. I love the record. I remember it's just like what I did with most of the LPs that I had is, you know, you just stare at it while you're listening to it. Yeah. You know, I used to stare at his picture. He has this, like, I remember it so clearly. He's like, it's kind of hunched over and he's kind of like this sort of funny little expression. And he used to just stare at it and listen to it. This before I knew him. Right. And, uh, I love the record. And I was like, man, this guy's so badass. <laughs> I was like, stare at his picture. And then, like, randomly met him when I was, well, I don't know, one of those early trips to New Orleans. Yeah. You know, I was hanging out with I probably the Galactic guys, you know, Ben Elman yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. We knew him from a long time ago. So that would co- connect Lump then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I met, I met AP at that Lump show, and then we were just talking, and then, like, it came up that he was that guy. And I was like, wait. You're the guy. <laughs> the I used to picture. stare at your funny looking yeah, face on the back of a record. I don't think I ever told him that much. I didn't go that deep into it, but it was just like one of those like what kind of, you know, yeah. moments. I was like 20 something and everything yeah. was just so like out of touch, out of reach and huge. Right. That's just like totally blew my mind. But I've always, I've been a huge fan of his anyway. You know, he's awesome. That's amazing. He's a great guy. What a too. strange circle of events. Yeah, that was goofy. Well, when you were like listening to records growing up, uh, where, where did you originally grow up, man? Uh, most of it was in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. You know, a little college town up and, yeah. you know, up there. And, uh, it was pretty good in the 80s, you know, um, it's just tons of bands used to go through there, like all the touring, you know, indie rock stuff. Right. Um, all the SST bands, all the touch and go stuff from Chicago. And I ended up getting to see everything. Yeah. You know, um, from like Who's Could Do, Bad Brains, you know, uh, Dead Kennedys. Uh, Black that, Flag. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, every I, every band came through there. That wow, and, and that was kind of my music. So yeah, you know, um, 
Yeah, I got to see George Hurley, you know, right. uh, Minutemen, Firehose. Um, what was one of the best shows that, that, that you remember seeing that was like, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen? There was a lot. You know, when you're that age, teens, and like into something, everything, you're just, just like, everything is so huge. And But I, there were certain, you know, there's a place called uh, OK's Corral, um, and that was like kind of the main bar. And they used to have a little window off to the side. I was way too young to get in, but I knew the door people. I always sort of hung out with older yeah. people, but I was kind of the young kid that people were kind of like, oh, yeah, there's, you know. <laughs> um, people were nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I, so I used to go to this place, this club, like every weekend. And I, there's like a little doorway and a little window and the window just happened to be right by the drum set. Oh man. So I would like literally go in there and just park by that window and they would let me do it. Like every, I swear to God, I went there all, just all the time. I was always there. Um, watching bands and watching the drummer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just drawn to it and, uh, I basically learned how to play by just watching people through that window. And it's all of these people that were <laughs> totally much. your heroes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, there were a lot of local guys too. people, you know, sure. I, th- I think my, you know, like my biggest influences, like I was kind of thinking about this, um, uh, are most of the drummers I saw or was around then, like, yeah. in, you know, um, that just made a big impression on me, you know? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you got to see George Hurley. That's pretty big. That guy, as yeah. far as like punk rock drumming, quote unquote, uh, hey guys, that's a whole nother level of punk rock drumming because he sure. was so technically gifted, but had the fire and the attitude and the uh, sound, you know? Yeah. He was a really remarkable drummer when it comes to like drummers that could shred in right. a punk rock, quote unquote, setting, you know? Yeah. I remember staring at his, that. Uh, I guess probably Firehose record mm-hmm. with his kid on the back. It was like, I don't know if it was a Vista Light or... I think he was playing Vista Lights. Yeah, or maybe it was just Clear Heads. But I I remember the picture, but I remember staring at that picture too. <laughs> yeah. Just like listening to this, like, oh my God, this is... I want to be like on top of this, you know, like, I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other drummers, like, um, I used to see this band Precious Wax Drippings. Uh, which was... Uh, John Herndon, which was like one of probably my favorite drummer from back then. He went on to do like, uh, he was in Poster Children for a while. And, I don't uh, think I know any of these days. Tortoise. Oh, he's in Tortoise. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay. So, like, he was one of those guys. And uh, he, you know, he was one of, those, one of those drummers that just like fucking lights up the room. You know, right. like, that's he's just it's great. I, right. You know, um, so, and I, he's a super nice guy. And I knew him back then too. So, that I think my influences are kind of like, personal mm-hmm. you know sort of stuff it doesn't surprise me at all you saying the punk rock stuff because that is something that you retained in your playing even when we'll uh, when we talk about drums and tuba i could sense the punk rock influences i wasn't sure who or where it was coming from but there was something present in that band even right. if y'all were doing funky meters type stuff you sure. know there was always like an element of sort of punk rockness to yeah it, oh yeah yeah which is cool yeah yeah i mean we're sort of you know, fly by the seat of the pants kind of stuff, yeah. you know, throw parts together and see what happens and just do it. Right. And not trip out too much, you know, just like see what happens. Make yeah. some noise, you know. 
When you uh, when Drums and Tuba first started, uh, just as a duo, y'all were playing like out in the streets and stuff. We did that just a few times, you know. Yeah. We get busted pretty right. quickly, you know. It was in Austin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So y'all were living in Austin at this point. Yeah, and this was like early '90s in Austin, which you know it was still it was kind of like a dusty college town-ish. Right. It wasn't you know. It's not, not nowhere near like what it is now. Right. Um, but yeah, we would play out there and we were just goofy kids, you know. Yeah. We have a couple of pictures of, of us on the street and God, we look like 10 years old. It's like so funny to see. Wow. Um, but yeah, we did that pretty soon after we started. We became a trio with Neil. Yeah. Playing guitar, you know. Right on. You know, another gig that I was thinking, and I think you all might have played it. There was a band from Austin, Brown Hornet. Yeah. Spelled W-H-O-R-E, Hornet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that band was super crazy. Yeah. Did you play gigs with them, or did you see yeah. them? Like, oh, yeah, we know all those guys. I mean, yeah. Austin was so small. We knew There's tons of bands, but everyone knew right. each other, and everyone was playing in each other's bands right. back then. New Orleans was the same thing in the early 90s. Right. Um, yeah, Brown Hornet was awesome. We played with them a ton, and... Uh, um, yeah, they were great. You know, Tyler, the singer, lives here. Are you he serious? Lives down the street. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he's been here for a number of years now. I had Brown Hornet CDs and shit. I, I yeah. don't know if I still have them. I've moved so many times, especially since I landed in New York post Katrina. I've moved like twelve right. times in twelve years or something absurd uh-huh. like that. So it's sooner or later you just realize stuff is gone. Yeah. You know, you lose, you seem to lose something every move or something. Yeah. Well, I guess flash forward once uh, Neil joins the band and I was telling you earlier, uh, I've found out about him via a friend of mine that sent me a cassette tape of his former band with Brian, the tuba player of drums and tuba called Homni Bob. Right. I think the cassette tape was grind, grind humans. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's crazy. Yeah, I remember that. So I've got all these old cassette tapes. And I need to figure out how to transfer them at some point. But uh, that was that really struck my ear. Neil's guitar playing, and then fat flash forward, I start seeing your band. I start to make the connection that that's Brian from Homnibob, and then Neil ends up in there also from Homnibob. Uh, and man, it was the the band that y'all kind of became. From I think the first CD, full CD y'all put out as a trio was uh, oh box fetish, box fetish. There yeah. it is. Yeah. So that was like kind of more minimal, sort of angular, weird, sort right. of even more punk rock stuff. And then it started y'all started jamming more and more and like uh. incorporating effects and all this stuff. Right. So I guess my question is, uh, at which point did y'all start to incorporate loops? And and doing that stuff live because that was a whole nother yeah that level. was like phase two <laughs> yeah you know um, right yeah that was probably just a few years in you know I think we started in ninety three ninety four yeah and, um, we did some short tours back then we played with this band the Spaceheads uh, from England they are uh, trumpet drums duo oh weird um, awesome. And they were doing all this stuff back then, real crude loop looping stuff, but just pristine, awesome, so yeah. punk, but just sounds amazing. And we kind of uh, adapted, uh, you know, a style from them. Uh, um, oh, interesting. From playing a few shows with them, and uh, just got into it. Yeah, you know, from that, and um, we went through bunch of phases with it you know right. a bunch of different types of machines and first it was pedals and then it was you know rack mount things and then it was like just 
a labyrinth of chords all over. This. I remember it, seeing it. It was, it was insane. insane. I was like, how to, <laughs> like, did y'all, did that ever just go haywire and get totally yeah, fucked? Always. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. But it was, and then, you know, at, at a certain point, Brian was sampling me mm-hmm. and sending it through the loop sort of sandwich. Right. You know, and he would, you know, he would start stacking loops, loop me. And then we'd start this song. I had a whole setup to my left and I had a, um, hook up to Neil so I could grab things from him like when he was playing a solo or something uh-huh. I would grab a little snippet uh-huh. and then I could run that through um, another loops uh, or yeah. effect sandwich sure yeah <laughs> and then I'd send that through and we had it was like a lot of improv but it was it was all kind of structured right too and uh, we did that for a long time yeah you know a bunch of years and that's sort of where we ended up, you know, sort right. of in that sort of trio, but like just making tons of layers. Yeah, it was, it was fucking wild, man. y'all signed to uh was it righteous babe records yeah andy defranco's uh-huh. uh label yeah. how did that come about um they saw us uh you know her engineer at the time this guy named goat he uh was that an acronym for um he's the greatest of all time <laughs> okay cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice um he saw us or heard about us or something and just tipped ani off to us and just said look you gotta get into this shit nice <laughs> you know? and so so we ended up, uh, she asked us out on tour. Like, you know, we had been touring a little bit and playing like little shows and you yeah. know, things like that, doing like a couple weeks here and there. We'd go out to California and do two weeks and, right. you know, whatever. Um, but they were just goofy little shows and stuff. Right. You know, when she asked us on, we we're all of a sudden playing like huge, you know, places. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of blew our mind. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but we worked, you know, we worked through it. We figured some stuff out and um, ended up just putting out a couple records with them and yeah. touring a lot. And right. that's, that's when we really started getting busy and, like, really hitting the road. doing like, Right. Who were some of the bands that y'all played with? Because I, th- I feel like yeah. there were some pretty crazy runs that y'all did. Yeah. Um, I mean, we played with, like, more bands than I could really 
even remember, but the you know big ones would be like, um, well, her yeah. uh, Galactic. We did a lot of touring with. Right. Um, we did some shows with Cake. Cool. We toured with Primus, and how was touring with Primus? It was awesome. I mean, holy moly! Yeah, and we did like Les Claypool's other like pre-Primus reunion. Oh, cool! Like his stuff. Uh, his uh, I don't know. He, Frog, Frog. Frog Brigade. And then he had a bunch of different random bands. Yeah. You know, he, he would call us for those and we played with Oysterhead. Awesome. Which was, uh, yeah, Stuart Copeland was in that. Trey. So, I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, Sounds like Les was a fan of you guys. Yeah, yeah. He was really nice to us. What is he like as a, as a character? He, he seems like such a character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're on the road like that, a lot of times, I don't know. I mean, he's, Kind of a private dude. Was Herb Alexander? Was was Tim similar? Yeah, yeah. I I, I connected with Herb a little bit more. I just probably just because of the drum set and stuff. But uh, you know, that's like you tour with a huge band. You're not like immediately yeah. best friends. You know, right. You exactly. sort of have to like figure out is it okay to bug them or yeah. Like you know, and then eventually it's like oh yeah, we're just all dudes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're just like right. all guys playing this music, and yeah, it's fine. You know, they don't have to trip out too much. I met Tim uh, Alexander recently. Primus did a show in the airport, and I was flying back to New York, and I and I recognized him, yeah. and I was like, I went over, I was like, I have to go say hello to him and take a picture with him. It's the same thing. I didn't want to bother him, but uh, uh, but I was like, I have to because if he was from my childhood, I was such a huge fan of like all, the, all that early Primus stuff, and saw them playing shows when they would come into town, and it was just like they were the fucking coolest band. So yeah, I totally cheesed out and was like, "Hey man, I'm your biggest fan. Can I take a picture with you?" You know, yeah. and he was totally cool about it. That's, yeah. so, that's that's my only Tim Alexander story. Yeah, he's super. <laughs> I mean, he's like the nicest guy you'll meet. You know. I know you played so many fucking shows. Is there a one or two uh, that were just totally bizarre or just a tr- like a hilarious train wreck that in hindsight you're like, that was such a train wreck? Yeah. Well, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all had so much stuff going on at, at that yeah. second phase, as you called it, with all the electronics, the loops, all this shit. Sure. It's like how many variables can go wrong? And yeah. in that particular environment, so many could go wrong. Yeah, especially, too, before the whole laptop stuff was happening and before sequencing, when yeah. everyone was, like, playing to tracks and shit. Like, right. this was all kind of, all right, build a loop live, yeah. for one. Yeah. Like, we never had any canned anything. Right, I remember no, that. There was no, like, hit the button sample. Yeah. It's like, okay, you got to make it. And yeah. then you got to put that on top, and then you got to do this, da, da, da. Um, so yeah, uh, we'd always run into like weird, wacky shit, you know, oh, yeah. which is fine. You know, you just kind of like go through it, man. Those first couple of Ani tours, we were 
I think visibly just overwhelmed probably. Yeah. Um, and they would fuck with us while we were on stage. They would do the craziest shit to us. One time they put, they stuffed a fucking Teletubby down Brian's tuba. <laughs> like, and he was playing. We were like fucking up there, like in front of 5,000 people, you know, we're like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. we're trying to like do this. We're all hyper self-aware and just like, kind of like not relaxing and doing our shit. We're like, oh my God. And then, you know, this thing is in there and he's like playing his ass off and he's just fucking like heads is exploding, you know, and he can't figure it out. And it's like, this fucking things won't work. And the sampling, the tuba sounds crazy. Oh man. And then he like, I think he went and looked in and pulled this giant stuffed animal. Like a magic trick. Yeah. It was like, they would do shit like that to us all the time. They used to play, they had a sound guy who played in the middle of one of our songs we had these like kind of long intros and these sort of like somber bridges and things right. and like introspective parts you know right. and like we're like getting into this like part of this one track uh, or one song on stage i remember and then all of a sudden like fucking hear this journey like really play- started playing journey yeah, over like your side in well into the monitors <laughs> you know what, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing you know just like shit like that i think and then they uh, they did so much stuff. I think they were really just trying to break us out of uh, our headspace. It just like relax, you know. Yeah. I don't know if it worked. No, I, I feel like that might have made it worse. It made it worse. Uh, but there was a lot of a lot of high. You know, it's like tour yeah. hygiene. You know, fuck with the opening band. You know, right. But uh, a lot of great memories. So. What were some of your favorite bands that you really uh, enjoyed touring with? The Primus stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, it had uh, to have been. Especially like hearing all those songs. Uh, definitely the Spaceheads, great too. Um, man, it's just all such a blur. And it's, I know. it's just like, it's a whole nother lifetime, it seems like. Yeah. You know, I mean, we haven't really, I mean, we pretty much broke up in 07. Uh huh. 08. I think that was our last tour with Primus. Wow. Um, and then, you know, we had just been together for 13 years or yeah. so. And it was like, we all lived in different cities. Yeah. And had you, so you had, at which point, I guess to interject for a second, you had moved down to new Orleans. Where was, where was Brian? Brian was in New York. He's been in New York forever since 99, I think, or oh, even really? earlier, even earlier than that. I think 98, seven, eight. And then where was Neil? Neil was in Austin and you know, we all, we all lived in Austin. We started there. Brian moved to New York to go to NYU. And then we went up a year later or something like that. We started playing a lot there. 
we did that a residency at uh knitting factory and we're sort of in that world and then uh we were all up there for maybe three years or ish and then i moved to new orleans and then neil moved to new orleans and then we were two city band and then we did that for a while, toured and stuff, and juggled all that, which is a nightmare. I was about to say, how were y'all able to rehearse and write songs? Uh, how did that work out, being geographically yeah, well, distributed? Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of years back up there. Yeah. <laughs> we pretty much had a language already. Um, so at that point, we were just, we had sets. You know, we had, we, I don't know, 50 songs we could play. Wow. Um, that's so, crazy. We would, uh, tours would come up and we'd just go do them and like do our, play our shit, you know, but at that time, and then Katrina rolled through and that just is a whole another wrench and everything. Oh, of course. Everything hard and weird and made you sort of reassess your existence (laughs) in a way. (laughs) Absolutely. And I just like realized like, man, I've spent a lot of time in the van <laughs> right <laughs> 10 years um and uh yeah it's just kind of like we should maybe not do this anymore so we all did separate stuff neil went back to austin mm-hmm. uh brian stayed in new york he still does solo music um, right with just his tuba he's been doing that this whole time uh, i quit playing for almost eight years wow i didn't even touch really no. didn't even pick up a stick you just put your shit up in no. storage and said yeah just totally walked away from it i started doing artwork painting and stuff i got I just put all my energy into that for you know five about five of those years mm-hmm. six maybe i mean I, I went full on into that and i kind of burned out on that too now right so now i'm going back to the drums <laughs> <laughs> i'm amazed that you you guys toured as much as you did man how did y'all sustain yourselves doing doing so much touring like that i mean living in new york where how were y'all were y'all yeah. you were having to sublet or do stuff like that for when you left and then try sure. to balance all that out to be able to live in new york and still tour yeah, yeah, it was, it was a juggling act for sure. Um, you know, at that point, we'd go out for three months, play every day. Yeah. Come back for three weeks, go back out for three months, play every night. We were doing 250 shows, something like that, a year, yeah. 270. Uh, it was goofy. <laughs> I mean, were y'all, I mean, y'all were all still able to get along, spending that much time with each other? Yeah, yeah. yeah That's we, amazing. We did pretty good. I mean... We're a pretty solid little unit, you know, one van, just three guys. But yeah, it worked out for a long time. That's amazing. Yeah. I can certainly see how you would have gotten burnt out on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, we definitely like just ground ourselves to mush. Yeah. <laughs> After a while, you know, we were also like, we would practice on our days off. We would get like practice. We we're nuts. Damn, dude. It was insane. It was was really goofy. Um, Wow. But yeah, we were just like, gotta play, you know. And then stepping away from that, especially because it becomes such an integral part of your life, touring, playing, playing with such frequency. Was it it weird when you sort of put the sticks in the kit aside? I know you were able to sort of deflect your attention or your creative juices towards painting and and doing visual arts. But was it easy to step away initially? Or was it... Yeah. Because you were just burnt. Yeah, it was, it was like the easiest thing. I, I mean, uh, I was so over it. And I don't want to be in bars anymore. I don't want to talk to people about all the same stuff that you talk about at a bar every night or, you know, or driving. I'm just sick of driving eight yeah. hours a day. And just like, just done. Just totally done with it. And 
it was really great to go into the studio, painting studio, and be alone. Right. Um, and not have to answer to anything or just, just concentrate on something new. So I spent oh, probably a year, maybe a year and a half, two years, you know, just painting and just getting into it. Uh, it was a much needed, like, change. I believe it. So it, that was easy. And yeah. then once... Uh, painting stuff got going. I was just so busy with that. It just made sense. Felt right. But now I want to play drums again. <laughs> would you say you're an extreme person as far as uh, obsessing over certain? Yeah. I, would, I would say that that's the storyline. Yeah, that seems to be the thing. Yeah, no, that, that's that's about right. <laughs> now, I was gonna say, I, it's funny though, being away from the scene and other bands and other musicians, and you know, now it's like. Yeah, I want to get back into it. I want to start playing, but like, I certainly don't have any connections really that are still. I mean, none of the clubs. It's just so long ago. So it's like ten years now. But uh, I still have Brian, and he's. Uh, we've been playing a couple shows. We did Austin, New York, and New Orleans a couple times. And uh, I was pretty nervous before the first show. Just kind of like it's you know something I walked away from and. It, you know, I've sort of built it up in my mind and like go to play that first show after how many, so many years. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I like, would say through muscle memory and experience yeah. and all that, you, you built up enough hours to be able to, to be able to set yourself. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. And I actually learned somehow to like chill out and actually have a good time instead of like overthinking everything. Like kind of, yeah. I think before it was like, we were trying so hard to do all of it. The business, playing, the writing songs, the getting better. The, it just was a lot. Yeah. And a lot of pressure we put on ourselves and stuff. And now it's like I go play and I'm just I'm kind of like almost more in the moment than before. Like less less static. Yeah. You know. Well, you don't have all that extraneous shit you have to focus on. You can just show up and play a gig and actually enjoy playing the music. Sure. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, it's you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, Tony, man. Good talking to you, bro. Yeah. Uh, I will be looking for the, the, the drums and tuba to return at some point. If y'all come to New York, man, you got to let me know. I'd awesome. love to see y'all. It'd be sure. great to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Will do. Right on. Thank you. Right? That's badass. Thanks for tuning in as always and be on the lookout for the drums and tuba duo in the near future. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Brian Wolf. Thanks, Neil McKibby. Thanks, Big Horny Hustler. And thanks, Hominy Bob. Drums and tuba, y'all. Crash, bang, boom. <laughs>